Jesus a shout of praise this morning. Come on, whether you're at home or you're in the building, come on, would you give Jesus a shout of praise this morning? Jesus, you are worthy. Lord, we lift you up. We magnify you. We, we declare there's no one like you. There's no one but you. Lord, we know that if you would be high and lifted up in Ashby, Minnesota, you'd be high and lifted up in this region, Lord. You would draw all men unto yourself. And so, Lord, let this be a season of great drawing. That, Lord, you would draw people into your heart. You would draw people into your love. You would draw people by the power of your Holy Spirit. And I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying that I am the God of the moment. And as I am the God of the moment, I am bringing breakthrough. For I'm breaking up fallow ground. And I'm tearing down strongholds. And I'm erasing the words of the enemy. And I'm causing the enemy to forget even what he's doing. For I'm going to cause there to be confusion upon the camp of the enemy. But I'm going to cause there to be great clarity upon the house of the Lord. For I have you on the hinge of history. But I also have you at the point of great awakening. For I'm about to awaken America. I'm about to awaken the nations of the earth. And I'm going to do it by awakening the church. From moving the church out of the fog of fear. I'm moving the church out of the fog of political swirl. I'm moving the church. I'm awakening the church out of slumber and sleep. And I'm about to release a sound of awakening from the house of God, from the countryside into the inner city. And the Lord said, I will have my way. For many have been wondering and questioning what will happen in these next few days and weeks. I tell you this, I will not be mocked, nor has my power been limited or diminished in any way. For I'm about to show my strong right hand in the nation and the nations of the earth. And I'm going to cause my favor to rest upon my house. But the Lord says that I'm releasing a plumb line anointing. For I am stretching forth the plumb line and I'm raising the standard. For I've raised the bar, says the Lord. And the bar is the beauty of holiness. For I did not call you to do something that was unobtainable. I called you to do something that could be done if you fully put your trust in me. For this is a season where I'm building great trust with my church, but I'm also extending my heart of love and my hand of trust to the nations. And Destiny Church, I've caused you to arise. You were my dream. You were my idea. For before the foundation of the earth, I knew you. I called you by name and I planted you, even in the midst of the cornfields. For I called you to be a church of harvest, of massive harvest, says the Lord. For the Lord says, even as you look around you and the harvest is ready and ripe, so is it in the city, so is it in the countryside, so is it in the nation and the nations of the earth. For this is a season to fix your eyes upon me, get caught up in my gaze. For when you turn your eyes upon me, everything else will grow dim. Everything else shall seem like a shadow. For the Lord says that I'm coming like a mighty rushing wind again into the house. I'm coming like a mighty rushing wind again into this region. For the Lord said that I have brought you and I have birthed you even out of revival. I've put upon you the anointing and the mantle of those that would go first. For I've made you forerunners like John the Baptist, like Ezekiel. I made you forerunners like Daniel. I made you forerunners like Elijah. I made you forerunners like Esther. And the Lord says that I'm about to reveal my heart in ways that will be undeniable to the people around you. 
And the Lord says that today I'm raising up a remnant even among the religious. For there's been many religious in the land. Those that have an idea of me, those that have had a thought of me, those that have had a theology of me. But I'm about to come crashing in in liturgies. I'm about to come crashing in in hymns. I'm about to come crashing in in catechisms. And I'm about to reveal myself as I really am. For this is my promise to Minnesota. This is my promise to the house called Destiny. That I am coming as I am. I am coming as I am. I am coming unbridled. I am coming unhindered. I am coming full of power and strength, full of love, full of might. I'm coming with healing in my wings. I'm coming with deliverance upon my breath. I'm coming to saturate the land with my goodness and with my glory. For the Lord said, welcome to halftime. For I've brought this church into into halftime. I've brought you this far by faith. But you've not seen anything yet compared to what you're about to see. You're about to see an increase of salvation. You're about to see an increase of healing. You're about to see an increase of miracles. And I tell you this, many have given up on this year. Many have already begun to look to 2021 and say, I hope it's a better year. But the Lord said, do I waste anything? Do I waste a moment? Do I waste a prayer? Do I waste pain? Do I waste suffering? Do I waste what my people have gone through? No, for I am not slack concerning my promises, says the Lord. For I am about to show myself strong and mighty. I'm about to cause these next few weeks and months to be weeks and months of redemption. Do not get caught up in the headline, for you serve the God of history. Before they were, I am. Before this was, I am. Before the next thing happens in human history, I am. I was and I am the God who is still yet to come. For know this, says the Lord, that I am about to move heaven and earth on behalf of my church. For I'm getting the bride ready. I'm giving you an assignment. Prepare the bride without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. It's time to wake up and get the sleepers out of our eyes. For there is time to arise. This is time to arise. It is time to shine. And it is time to sound, to release the new sound. For there is hope on the horizon of these hills. There is hope on the horizon of these plains. There is hope on the horizons of this state and in this nation. And many have said that you, have been, you are now a battleground up for grabs. But you are not up for grabs for you are in the grip of God. You are in the grip of God. You are in the embrace of God. And know this, says the Lord, that you will no longer be known as a battleground state. For you will be a state of the breakthrough. Do you hear the sound of breakthrough on the horizon? Can you feel hope rising from the tips of your toes, flowing up to the tops of your head? For I hear the Lord saying, get your hopes up, get your hopes up, get your hopes up. For I am coming to do a new thing. For the Lord says that this is a season to be joyful in hope. There's a new joy coming to the house. There's a new joy coming to the season, to the, to the region. There's a new hope rising up and a new joy rising up. Even in this nation, says the Lord. Do not get caught up in politics, but get caught up in the prophetic word of the Lord. Do not get caught up in people's opinions when you have a more sure word of prophecy. Hold fast to my word, for I am the God of righteousness, and I will cause righteousness to rule and reign. For I have called you, says the Lord, not to react and respond, but I have anointed you like me to rule and reign. Do not let anybody knock you out of your position. 
Do not let disappointment distract you. Do not let fear grip you. For I have come to do a new thing, even in this very moment, says the Lord, and I will have my way with you. And even in this year, what the enemy had meant for evil, I'm going to turn it and work it together for your good and for the good of those who love me and are called according to my purposes, says the Spirit of the Lord. So, Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that you watch over your word day and night and you are careful to perform it according to Jeremiah 1 and 12. Lord, I thank you that, Lord, you've come to do a new thing in our midst. Lord, we celebrate, Lord, the past. Lord, we cherish the present. But, Lord, I feel this morning a charge into the future. That, Lord, that you are sounding a trumpet. Lord, you're releasing the sound of revelry. Uh, Lord, to waken up your army, to waken up the people of God. To, to move forward in this season. Lord, we bless your name. Lord, we thank you that, Lord, you're the God who speaks. Lord, that you're not silent in this season. And because we have the word of the Lord, we have more than enough. In Jesus' name, amen. If you believe the word of the Lord this morning, will you just say amen? amen. Come on, I believe we're in a season where we don't just need to hear the word of the Lord. We actually need to receive it. Come on, will you get your receivers open this morning? Come on, I believe that hope is rising in this place this morning. Hope is rising for those of you watching online today. Uh, I could have listened to Pastor Dave all day uh, because I believe that that's the word of the Lord. I believe his exhortation was really a prophetic word for us in this moment. How many know that everything you need God to be, he already is? He doesn't have to become anything he is. He is healer. He is deliverer. He is provision. He is breakthrough. And because He is, I believe that many of you are about to discover uh, even uh, almost like there are going to be new expressions of, of, of who He is, of His attributes, of His nature than we've ever seen or known before. I believe the Lord is about to release the nature of God, the nature of heaven in this room this morning. I believe that even as we were worshiping today, many of you were being healed and you may not even know it yet. I, as soon as we started worshiping, I had this sharp pain kind of go in the middle of my, the left side of my back. It was like somebody kicked me in the kidney. And I felt like it was a word of knowledge that somebody in this room or somebody watching online, I feel like there's been pain. It's almost been connected to like your organ, to Kidney to your kidney like you've had maybe even battles with kidney stones or pain in that area. And I saw the Lord completely healing it and wiping it away today in the name of Jesus. I believe the Lord is removing fear from the equation. Some of you that have struggled with certain symptoms, some of you, like every time you just get a sniffle or, or, or something hits, automatically your mind goes to the worst thing. And I believe the Lord is breaking off the power of fear today. How many know fear is a liar? How many know that the truth is a person? Right? I don't just have a truth that I've, I've figured out in my mind, but I have a truth. His name is Jesus living on the inside of me. And the truth of who Jesus is walked in the room with us today. The truth of who Jesus is walked, is walking in your living room or your bedroom or wherever you're watching this today. And I believe right now that we're about to watch the power and the might of God uh, be seen in the earth like never before. This is a season in destiny that I would call a season of discovery. You're, you're about to discover and rediscover what God has deposited in this house from the beginning. 
I believe that this house was, cre- was, was breathed with a word from God. I believe that things have been established by the word of the Lord. But you're about to now step into greater fulfillment of the promises of the Lord. I felt like the Lord said, welcome to this season where nothing is held back. And everything that has been held back is about to be released. How many know that's good news for us today? That I believe that God's about to release something upon us, something within us. There is a stirring in the earth today. There's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of unknowns about the election. There's a lot of unknowns about COVID-19. There's a lot of unknowns. But what is unknown to us is well-known to God. Come on, are you hearing me this morning? What's unknown to me is well-known to God. And because He's the God who can, can change something in a moment. I heard that word this morning. He said, I'm the God of the moment. He's the God of this moment. He's the God of our next breath. I believe the Lord is about to release Holy Spirit stamina, Holy Spirit strength, Holy Spirit grace, but also like this Holy Spirit fortitude upon the people of God. I know there's a movement right now, hold, hold, uh, hold the line, but I feel like there's an anointing upon Destiny Church today to stand our ground. Not, not to back up, not to be intimidated by the, the, by the enemy or to be intimidated by what's happening around us, but we have been anointed to stand our ground. And as we stand our ground, the enemy begins to move backwards. Come on, I believe right now we're not just standing ground, but I believe that this is a season where we're going to take new ground. Anybody ready to move forward? Come on, there is an anointing coming upon us today to move forward. That the kingdom of God is always advancing. But the gates of hell are stationary. Isn't that good news? Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. The kingdom of God is always advancing. The the kingdom of darkness is stationary. Which means we can keep driving back the darkness. Come on, I love the, the saying that we don't have to curse the darkness, we just have to turn on the light. And this is a season where God is calling us to arise and shine. I feel like the Lord is calling us to come out from among them. What does that mean? I believe God is bringing forth His remnant. He's bringing forth the people of God who won't get caught up in the swirl, who won't get caught up in religiosity, that won't get caught up in an idea of God, but will actually begin to stand out and, and, and shine in the midst of all of the stuff that's happening. Come on, I believe there's coming great clarity upon us. Great clarity of thought, clarity of heart, clarity of spirit. But I also believe that this is a season where God is creating a majestic mess. Sounds like a, yeah. It sounds like, you know, breaking news coming right now. The Lord is creating a majestic mess. How many know moves of God aren't nice and pretty, but they're actually pretty messy, right? People laid out on the floor. Just, just read church history. Every time revival broke out, messes took place. And we're about to get caught up in a majestic mess. Here, here's what I mean by that. God's about to send to us people who don't even know how to behave in church yet. I, I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma a couple of years ago. My friend had started a church there and we were doing a weekend on the person and gifts of the Holy Spirit, like Friday night teaching and activation, Saturday all day teaching and activation, uh, and then Saturday night we're going to have a service. 
And uh, Friday night, I, I fly in, and, and I'm at the church. I'm hanging out uh, with the pastor in the, in the kind of the, the kitchenette area. And we're drinking some coffee and just talking about the plan for the weekend. And all of a sudden, there was a commotion come through the door. And uh, this is what we found out. There was a couple that was new to the church. They'd been around for about six months. And they invited another couple with them uh, that had never been to the church before. They went out to supper before the meeting. And as they went out for supper, after they finished, they were driving to the church. And they saw this man walking down the side of the road. People in the back seat said, oh, that's Christopher from work. And they, they said, should we stop? And they stopped. And they said, hey, Christopher, would you like to come to church with us? And Christopher said, sure. He got into the uh, car. And as soon as they pulled away, they knew they had a problem. Uh, Christopher was a Native American. He was a Cherokee, and uh, he was three sheets to the wind drunk. He had urinated on himself, vomited on himself, so you can imagine the smell in the car as soon as he got in. Uh, he was not dressed for church. In fact, he would later testify that he didn't know what church was. He thought they were inviting him to another bar. So they come up with this plan, the people in the back seat that you know, invited him, began to pray, oh my Lord, uh, Lord, our, my friends are never going to want to invite us ever again. And, and Lord, what do we need to do? And the people in the front seat said, oh, I can't believe we're invited. We're bringing this guy and the church is going to kick us out. And what should we do? And, and they kind of came up with a plan that they would get to the church. Uh, they would um, help him get cleaned up and they would call a taxi and they would send him on his way. But when they got to the church, Christopher had other plans. He opened the door, went running through the church to the foyer, hooked a left, went right to the front to the altar, falls on his face, starts weeping and vomiting at the altar. Now, church is about to start in about 25 minutes. And a nice elder sees what's happening and he comes to him and he reaches down and he begins to love on this guy. Uh, and he realizes we can't have this kind of distraction when we're about to start church. And so he gets the guy up and brings him out and uh, brings him into the kitchenette area where we're standing. And I said to the man, I said, uh, hey, my name's David, what's your name? And then the nice elder said, oh, don't worry, Brother Dave, we, uh, I'm going to take this under control. We're going to get him cleaned up and some, maybe some clothes from the lost and found. We're going to get him in a cab and send him on his way. I said, that's not what I asked. I said, what's your name? And he said, I'm Christopher. Christopher A. Cornstalk is how he introduced himself. And um, I said, Christopher, how would you like to be my guest of honor tonight? And he said, sure. And he came and he sat on the front row of the church. And as I was teaching, Christopher would fall out of his seat numerous times, not under the power of God, but he was completely intoxicated. He would belch. He would do other bodily functions that we don't want to talk about on a Sunday morning. He would act like he had Tourette's and scream out cuss words and things in the middle of the service. And all of the church people were squirming. You could see the whispers. You could hear the conversations. I can't believe they let a guy like that in church. I can't believe David's not doing anything about it. And there's all the talk and all the chatter and all the questioning, and all the accusation. At the end of the, the teaching, I said, Christopher, would you like to give your life to Jesus? And Christopher said, yes. And he, he praised the prayer. I make him lift his hands because you know it's not going to stick unless it, you, know, you look like you're being held up you know, at gunpoint. 
I gotta, and so he prays the prayer, Lord Jesus, come into my life, be my Lord, be my Savior, cleanse me of all my sins. And as soon as he says amen, the power of God hits him and three demons come screaming out. He, he's on the floor and then he starts messing with my theology. He gets up off the floor. He said, oh, where'd my buzz go? Oh, forget it. This is better. And goes, just starts praying in tongues. And the power of God hits him. Now, it's, it's kind of freaking me out a little bit because the man was just drunk and demonized. But now he's born again and set free, baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I didn't even teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit yet. He's already ahead of my notes. I wasn't going to teach on that till 2 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. And then he really freaks me out. And he starts singing a prophetic word over me. All within five minutes of salvation. And the word was deep. And it was about things that nobody else knew. It was about my inheritance. It was about uh, my family tree. It was about what God's called me to do. And places I was going to go. And, and the power of God hit him. And just in five minutes radically changed his life. While all of the swirl was going around the church, I could hear the Lord whispering. I could hear him laughing, and I'm thinking, Lord, what's so funny? And God kept saying, isn't it great? I said, yeah, but this is kind of weird. He said, isn't it great? And I said, yeah, but what's so great? He said, isn't it great? He doesn't know how to behave in church yet. What will we do if people that are a little rough around the edges who don't know how to speak Christianese yet, who've never had an experience or an encounter with God, begin to come into the house of God. I'm not saying that we should have a free-for-all every day. But I, what I am saying is that man could not even come to the church or give his life to Jesus lest the Holy Spirit drew him. And I don't want to repel what the Holy Spirit is drawing. Are you hearing me this morning? After church, we went out to IHOP. We were done being spiritual. We didn't go to International House of Prayer. We went to International House of Pancakes. And um, we were sitting there, and all of a sudden, this rowdy bunch of guys comes in. And they're, they're spitting like their straw paper at the waitress. They're being rude. They're cussing. They're fussing. And all of a sudden, Christopher gets up from our table, goes over to their table, leans over, puts his, his fist on their table, and starts telling them the story of what happened to them. And he leads 13 people to Jesus within one and a half hours of salvation. The next morning we turned up at church and Christopher was already there with 40 of his newest friends. Some of them had grass in their hair. Some of them had rocks stuck in their elbows and in their knees. I said, Christopher, what did you do? He said, I couldn't sleep. So I had to find people that were like me. And so I went out to the bars and if they couldn't walk here, he said, I just rolled them here. And so they had grass in their hair. They camped out all night. And the church doubled in size overnight because one man got, got touched by God. And the reason I'm sharing this story with you is that God is about to cause some of you to go to the multitudes, but some of you are going to reach the multitudes by reaching the one person God puts in front of you. And I believe it's really important that we don't judge a book by its cover. See, we can get caught up in Democrat and Republican and Independent. We can get caught up in all of the, the buzzwords and the, the issues of the day instead of focusing on Jesus. How many know that politicians can't change the world? How, how many know that people can't, uh, you know, ideas can't change? But, but, but there is a God who lives above that. That God is neither Republican nor Democrat. He is righteous. And I believe we're about to watch a remnant of righteousness rise up. 
I believe we're about to watch the Lord begin to do a work that's going to cause so many people to be dumbfounded and confounded because they couldn't, they they thought they had everything in the bag, they thought they had everything figured out, but God turned up, God showed up. And I believe that this is a season where the Lord is about to raise up uh, an amazing sound, an amazing opportunity in the land, in America, in Minnesota, right here in Ashby, that we're going to see His kingdom come and His will be done like we've never seen before. Here's what I know is this. That God has called Destiny Church in Ashby, Minnesota to be a place of encounters. A place to have corporate encounters. And you've had 40 years of encounters and nights of prophetic ministry and healings that went well into the night. And I understand all of that. But I believe that the Lord never decreases. He always increases. And there's about to be an increase of the government of God. There's about to be an increase of the gifts of God. There's about to be an increase. And I just believe right now that God is positioning you for the increase of His government, the increase of His power, the increase of His love. I believe one of the, the, one of the things He's going to increase, and there's going to be an increase of encounters of the prophetic again in this house. I, I believe God's going to continue to send you prophets, but more than that, I believe there is a prophetic voice that's rising up out of destiny. I believe there's a prophetic voice rising up in the next generation that you're about to watch a multi-generational, five-generational move of the Spirit of God take place right out here. And it's all going to begin with hearing God's voice. Jesus said in Matthew 10 and 37, He said, My sheep know my voice, and they listen. How many know you were born to hear the voice of God? You know how you got here? God dreamed you up. He spoke you into existence. I like to say it like this. You were created by a word to hear a word to become a word. You were created by a word from God. And that word's still vibrating on the inside of you. It is, that, it is that guiding light. It is that compass of true north that says this is who you really are. And you were created by a word to hear a word, to become a word, so that the world can see the word. See, God is always speaking. Jesus always has something to say because He is the Word. There's never been a silent season in history. See, I know we talk about the 300 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament being the years of silence. There's a part of me that that gets really, um, I ponder that a little bit. Did God stop speaking or did people stop listening? I don't think there's a problem with what God is saying. I believe there is, a, there is a listening problem in the church. And God is opening our ears to hear. One of the gutsiest things I've ever seen where it was a, a pastor in Tennessee. He'd been working on this sermon series for months and months and months and never seemed to fig, figure out where it fit. He thought, well, I, I think this is the Sunday I'm going to start with that. And he was excited about breaking into it. And all of a sudden, when he got into the church to start the first service, uh, the Lord said, that's a great series, but you're not going to preach it today. And he said, Lord, that's what I have prepared. What else do you want me to say? And he said, I want my people to hear from me for themselves. So after worship, I want you to just tell the story that you were prepared. But God wants to speak to each one individually. And I want you to sit in silence for the rest of the service. So they sit in silence. They just sit there. And it's one of those moments that's awkward. Do you ever have an awkward moment in church? 
Okay, not in this church, but other churches, okay? You, you ever have these awkward moments where it's just quiet and you're, you're expecting somebody else to know what to do and know what to say? You can see and feel the people squirming and, and like, I mean, do we pay this pastor to just tell us to sit here and listen? And all kinds of things were happening. And after about five minutes, weeping starts in the back and laughter starts in the right. And all of these gasps as God begins to speak. And over 800 people that morning got to hear a word from God spoken into their own ears by God himself. I ran into a lady at a wedding a couple of weeks ago and she was visiting that church from a very traditional church and it was her first time in anything charismatic so she was already on high alert. And She said, that day I heard the voice of God for the first time and if he didn't do that for anybody else but me, just think about that for a moment. And I'm not saying that that's every Sunday, but I'm saying this, that God is wanting every one of us to, to hear the voice of the Lord. I believe there's coming a day where every one of us is about to come into the house of God and have a word. And the hardest thing for the pastors, for Pastor Steve and Pastor Trish and the other pastors and leaders is going to be to direct the traffic on, on how many prophecies can we fit into a meeting? How many miracles can we fit into a meeting? How, how many healings can we fit into a meeting? I'm telling you, that could become your present reality, but we, we must set our face like a flint towards the word of the Lord. Amos 3 verse 7 says, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he speaks at first to his servants or his friends, the prophets. A lion has roared, who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken, who can but prophesy? He leaves it with a question mark. Who's exempt from prophecy? Who's exempt from hearing the voice of the Lord? Who's exempt from becoming the voice of the Lord? And many of you right now, there is a fresh anointing to hear His voice. Not to make you prophets, but for you to receive your inheritance, your full inheritance as sons and daughters of God. I have a son, his name is Joshua. Joshua was born with the cord wrapped around his neck on November 1st, 2005. He came after we had lost a baby at seven months uh, during a, a stillborn birth. It was a difficult season, and God redeemed it with Joshua. And on the day Joshua was born, the cord was wrapped around his neck, and he came out. Bells and whistles went off, and he wasn't breathing. And, and, and I held on to his foot. All I had was the word of the Lord of who he would be and the promise of God. I just kept declaring it over him. And after five minutes, he let out this loud scream. It was the loudest scream I ever heard. And in that moment, I made a covenant with God. No matter how loud he got, I would never complain about it. Now, I regret that covenant uh, because he is my loudest boy. He, when he wants something, when he feels like he's not being heard, his volume goes higher and higher, and he's about to be 15. About a year and a half ago, we were driving and going on a coffee date together. And, and uh, as we were driving, he was being very quiet. And I said, uh, son, is everything all right? And he said, dad, why are you asking? I said, because you're quiet. You're not normally quiet. He said, oh, dad. He said, I'm just enjoying the ride. And you, you never have to say anything, dad, in order for me to hear your heart. I'm just listening to your heart being with me. And I realized he wasn't just teaching me about a father-son moment. He was teaching me about hearing the voice of God. That God wants us to be so fine-tuned, so connected to him, that we know the contents of his heart, even when it seems like his lips aren't moving. And we got to the coffee shop and we were sitting and talking and, and I said, does God, how does God speak to you, Josh? And Josh says, 
He speaks to me like I'm talking to you. I ask him questions. He gives me answers. I talk to him. He talks back to me. He said, Dad, you would be an awful father if I asked you a question you never gave me the answer. You'd be a really bad dad if I, if I talked to you and you never responded to me. And he said, but God is a good God, and he speaks to me about everything. I ask him questions. I said, even chemistry? I want to make sure he's not cheating, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and what I'm saying to you is this, is that I think there's a, a, a way that in our spiritual maturity, as we've grown up in God, we've grown up in the church, Somehow we've lost that childlike wonder and that childlike faith that just simply expects God to talk to us. I grew up being taught that God didn't do healing or miracles or really speak today. If it happened, it was more kind of off of, you know, it was the exception, not the norm. But I've raised my children in the presence of God with everything I've done wrong in my life. The one thing I've done right is I've raised my kids in the presence of God. And they know that God speaks and God heals and God does miracles and all of those things. And they never question it or doubt it because nobody ever told them that he can't. And we have something great that God has built over the last 40 years in Destiny Church in Ashby, Minnesota, where people have had encounters with God, where generation after generation has been raised up in the presence of God, where healings and miracles and prophecy is still celebrated, but, but it's also what God does, and we expect Him to do it and to move. And I'm here to tell you right now that God is about to do it again and again and again in greater fashion and in greater moments because He said, greater work shall you do now that I go to be with the Father. And He never decreases, He always increases. You're about to watch an increase in these next few weeks and months like you've never seen before. There's about to be an increase in the voice of the Lord. There's about to be an increase in His power and His might. Are you hearing me today? See, there's certain things that haven't happened yet because you haven't said them yet. Because the Lord doesn't do anything unless He speaks it first to His servants or His friends, the prophets. Some of you right now, God is about to know Him. You're about to know God in such a deep, passionate way speak to him like Moses spoke to him face to face like a man speaks to his friend that's good news isn't it some of you right now that there's about to be such an awakening and a stirring of revelation awakening and a stirring of revelation in your life to hear his voice to set things in motions by speaking what he's saying what he's doing in Ezekiel chapter 37, it says these words, that the hand of the Lord came upon me, and, and behold, he led me into the valley of dry bones. It always perplexes me when I read that scripture, because I thought the Spirit of the Lord only took me into green pastures by still waters. He always brings me into these pleasant places. But the fact is, sometimes the Spirit of God will take you where you really don't want to go. He'll bring you in places where nobody else really wants to go. And he said, the Spirit of the Lord led me out into the valley, into the valley of dry bones. And behold, there were many bones, and behold, they were very dry. And the Lord asked me, can these bones live again? Here's what he did. He brought them into the place, he brought Ezekiel into the place of greatest impossibility. When everything was powdery, like the, the bones had become dust. Where, where it seemed absolutely, positively, beyond a shadow of a doubt, impossible. And the Lord asked them a question. 
can these bones live again? And Ezekiel responds and answers like most of us would answer. Lord, only you know. And the Lord doesn't even respond to his doubt. He doesn't miss a beat. Ezekiel goes, oh, Lord, only you know. And the Lord says, prophesy, son of man, speak to these bones and command them to live. And Ezekiel says something. He does say, he said, so I did as I was commanded. You can literally translate that from the scripture like this. So Ezekiel said, so I did my job. As I did as I was commanded, I did my job. I spoke to the bones and there came a sound of a shaking and a rattling. As bone came back together, bone to bone. My question is this is what will happen when we begin to prophesy to the dry bones of Minnesota, to the dry bones of Grant County, to the dry bones of, of Ashby, of the dry bones of Alexandria, to the dry bones of, of, of Fargo, of the dry bones of Minneapolis, of the dry bones of, of, of the Northland? What, what will happen when we do our job? And he continues, so speak, command the, the flesh and the sinew to come upon them and behold, the, the flesh and the sinew, the bones, everything was together. There was all of the structure you needed was there. But there was no breath in them. You can have all the structure you want. You can build the pretty buildings you want. You can have all the lights you want, all the sound you want, all the technology you want, the greatest preaching you want. But, but, but if you don't have the breath of God, it's still dead. Are you hearing me this morning? And he said, speak, son of man, prophesy to the four winds. Command the breath to come in these slain. And he said it again. So I did as I was commanded. I did my job. And there stood in front of me a mighty army. See, if I read the headlines, I see America full of dry bones. If I read the headlines, I see the world going to hell in a handbasket. But if I actually hear the voice of the Lord, I won't see dry bones. I'll see an army rising up. And some of you right now, God's about to bring you into a prophetic perspective that you see the promise of God over the problems of man. See, every problem comes with a promise and a provision attached to it. And I have to choose, am I going to partner with the problem? Or am I going to partner with the God who has the solution? It is a season where I do not declare the opinions of man or the opinions of David Wagner, but this is a season where God's saying, will you actually de develop, will you actually discover and declare the opinion of heaven? And I believe right now this room is about to ring out with heaven's opinion. I heard it from the prophetic word from the beginning today. And I believe the Lord's about to usher us into that. You're about to have encounters with the prophetic, prophetic encounters, encounters with the voice of the Lord like you've never had before. Secondly, I believe you're going to have encounters with the power of God like you've never known before. I love this scripture. In Psalm 77 and 14, it says, You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the people. Job 9 and 10, it says, He performs wonders that cannot be fathomed. Miracles that cannot be counted. John 14 and 12 says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to be with the Father.
And he begins to lay out the very bare minimum of a normal Christian life. How many know in Matthew 10, verse 7, Jesus said these words, Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, cast out demons, and raise the dead. He wasn't just inviting us into it. He's saying this is what the kingdom looks like. When you show up, you begin to bring the kingdom. When you bring the kingdom, everything changes. The dead begin to live. The sick get healed. The oppressed go free. The impossible situations, the impossible uh, physical ailments completely change and disappear. See, I think we often forget that Jesus was born in a time like we're living right now. Political stress. Social unrest. Racial division. In the midst of a global pandemic. That's the time that Jesus came. The early church on the day of Pentecost was born during a global pandemic, a time of great racial tension, political stress, all kinds of things. Just like today, the church began to grow and to thrive. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because we need to know that we were created for this moment, and this moment was created for us. That this is our season to arise and shine and not pull the covers up over our heads and go back to sleep. This is not a season to back up, but this is a season to hold our ground and declare that we are more than conquerors. We are the overcoming people of God. That God, greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. And I'm telling you right now that this is a season that, that Jesus is about to show up. He's about to show up in powerful, powerful ways. The God of miracles. The God of miracles. A few years ago, I was in Venezuela, and as I was in Venezuela, they brought me to this house, and this house was uh, filled with people of, of, uh, of great influence. They were politicians, they were uh, in, involved in, uh, I guess you would say, the seven mountains of society, and it was one of these sidebar meetings, and, and we got there, and there was this uh, little, uh, there was this family, and they had this little baby, and uh, this little baby was completely blind, was actually missing an eye, and the other eye was just whited over. And uh, as we were talking, uh, they get the baby up from a nap, and they bring this baby to me. And they said, can your God do something to heal our baby? And I said, I believe our God could, could do that. They said, pray, and we prayed, and as we prayed, God created this eyeball inside of that baby that was missing, just the empty eye socket. God creates the eyeball, and, and all of a sudden, the, that pure white eye gets completely healed, and, and the, baby starts, uh, the, the baby starts seeing. I didn't know it at the time, but these were the, the two major newscasters for the Caracas area in Venezuela. And they began to do a documentary and they began to broadcast the healing of their daughter and the power of God. See, can I tell you something? One miracle can catch the attention of a nation, of a region, of a city. And I'm just here to tell you right now, He is the God of miracles and He's about to grab a hold of the attention of people. You know, um, a few years ago, my pastor, Lindell Ballinger, who was here many years ago, Went home to be with the Lord, and 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 I uh, I watched him battle for 
three or four years, colon cancer and liver cancer, and I watched him, you know, tumors disappear, and I watched it come back, and, and we contended and we believed, and, and I felt like I had the word of the Lord, that he would live and not die, he would travel with me some more, it was a powerful thing, and, and as he came to the end of his life, he was moved into hospice, and, and people began to talk, they began to say, oh, Wagner gave false hope, he was a false prophet, you know, all of those things, and, and I remember Kevin Leal meeting me in the hospice, place. he went to the coffee room, and he said, what do you want people, what do you want me to tell people, and I said, what do you mean? He said, well, they're talking, they're saying this. And I said, Kev, tell them whatever you want. And you know, tell them I missed it. Tell them all. And he said, no. He said, David, what you need to understand is, is God wants us to look through eternal eyes. God wants us to look through eternal eyes. And he, he began to change my perspective on it. And, and later that week, uh, I was to go to, to the Netherlands to, um, uh, to minister with my wife and my daughter. And, and, uh, Pastor B was, was fading, and I wanted to cancel the trip and stay home with him. And he said, no, I want you to go and do what you're trained to do. Those were his last words to me. And uh, I went, and we got to the Netherlands, and we landed about 5 in the morning. And by 1 in the afternoon, an hour before our meeting was going to start, I got the, the news that he'd gone home to be with the Lord. And um, it brought me to a place of great conflict. And here was my conflict. Many of us live in this place. It's the place in between our belief and our experience. It's that place where we believe in healing, but we haven't experienced yet. It's that place where we believe in resurrection, but we haven't seen it yet. It's that place where we believe in, in, in God as our peace, but that's not our current experience. Anybody can, can you relate to that? That's a tension for me. It's a tension for me in the last week as I just did the funeral for my brother's wife, for my sister-in-law who battled liver disease and cancer because I believed and I stood for healing, but I didn't see it. And here's what I need to, here's what I need to do when tension comes. My, my, my habit is when I feel tension, I ask this question, what's wrong? And that's actually the wrong question to ask. Because tension doesn't mean something's wrong. It just means something's happening. And so when I feel tension now, this is what I begin to ask, Lord, what's happening? See what I just did? It flips the switch. It flips the perspective. Because the enemy comes in with a lie. Here's the lie. You didn't have enough faith. Anybody ever feel that before? You believed to the end. I mean, you believed in the shadow of every doubt, every fear. You, you were faith man. You were faith woman. You had the word of the Lord. You, you named it. You claimed it. You declared it. You, you spoke the scripture at it. You, you prophesied to you. All of those things. And everything looked opposite. Can anybody relate to what I'm saying? And the enemy comes in and goes, you didn't have enough faith. And the truth is, there's times that I believe and maybe I don't have enough faith for it. But God will take that little mustard seed of faith. He'll take that little seed of belief and He'll still move mountains with it. And I remember that morning that the pastor asking me, David, can you still preach? And I said, I think so. And I got with God. I said, Lord, I'll preach any message you want me to preach today. I'm just not going to preach on healing. And the Lord said, that's a great idea. I want you to preach on healing. 
And so I said it to him in Spanish and Dutch, just in case he missed the... And he said, no, you're going to preach on healing. So I created this amazing message on prophecy. And that was my intention. That was what I was going to go to. And we're in this moan of praise and worship. And, and all of a sudden, during praise and worship, this big Dutch guy, six foot seven or so, comes in, goes to the pastor and goes, do you believe in miracles here? And the guy said, oh, yeah, I believe in miracles. We see them all the time. Points to me. This guy really sees them. And the guy goes, good. My, my wife is in the car. We've just come from the emergency room. She's six months pregnant. They said the baby's dead. And if they don't get the baby out, my wife's going to be dead in the next 24 hours. And, and so we're coming in for a miracle. And he said, go get her. And he went to get his wife, and I went to the bathroom. I didn't have to go. I just went. All right? I, I just wanted to hide. I believed that God would give this lady a miracle. I just didn't have the faith for it. So I went and hid out. A few minutes later, pound on the door. David Mateus Wancho, I said, tell Mateus I ain't coming. Comes back, Mateus Wancho, I said, I'm not coming. Mateus Wancho starts pounding on the door. So I finally come out, and I thought, I'll just be the catcher. I'll let Mateus pray, and I'll catch. And Mateus prays, and then he goes to hand me the microphone. I say, no. He says, yes. I said, no. I said, yes. I didn't figure he understood my English, so I said, nay, which is no in Dutch. And he said, ja, which is yes in Dutch. And so finally, I grabbed the microphone, and I was going to pray according to my measure of faith, or maybe my religiosity. I was going to pray a really safe prayer, like, Lord, if it be your will. But what came out of me was something different than I had prepared. All of a sudden, Holy Spirit overrode my doubt, my insecurity, my fear, my, my lack of faith, all of those things. And all of a sudden, the word of the Lord came out and said, no, you're going to live uh, and not die. Your baby's going to live and not die. And when the, the Lord says, you're going to carry the baby to full term. And when the baby comes out, she's not going to come out crying. She's going to come out singing. Your father, who you haven't seen in about six months, is going to be present in the room. He's going to give his life to the Lord on her birthday. Doctors and nurses are going to give their life to the Lord because they're going to watch a miracle in the making. And I couldn't believe what I was saying. See, some of us right now, we need to let God override our fear, override our doubt. You know what God found? In the midst of one of my darkest moments, when I, or I felt like I had a faith failure, I think he, felt, he found honesty. I think one of the honest, most honest stories of the Bible is in Mark chapter 9 where the disciples are trying to bring healing to this epileptic boy who's constantly throwing himself in the fire and in the water and almost drowning or getting burned. And, and nothing's happening. And Jesus goes, what are you guys doing? And he said, we've been using your name and nothing's happening. He said, oh, this kind only comes out with prayer and fasting. And he looks at the father and the father says, if you can do anything, Jesus. And Jesus said, if I can do anything. I don't think that he was mocking or being cynical or sarcastic to the man. I was simply saying, I believe he was looking at impossibility and saying, nothing is impossible for me. And he was saying, don't doubt, just believe. And the man says one of the most honest prayers or statements I can find in the whole Bible. He says, Lord, I believe, but will you please help my unbelief? And the boy gets healed just like that. Can I tell you something right now? 
you may feel like you've got a little faith. But that little grain of mustard seed faith can still speak to that big old mountain, be moved and cast into the sea. And I feel like right now in this room, the Lord is about to release the gift of faith upon the people of Destiny Church. The gift of faith is about to sweep through the state of Minnesota. It is the ability to believe beyond our own ability, but it is access to the ability of God that believes for what God is believing for in the moment. Three months later, I received an email that little Zoe was born. They said when she was born, she came out. She didn't come out crying. She came out with what sounded like a song. She was singing. The doctors, the nurses gave their life to the Lord. That afternoon, her, her father, who she'd been estranged from for six months, walked in the room, held his granddaughter for the first time, began to weep, and gave his life to the Lord because we serve the God of miracles. And I'm telling you right now, I believe that God is saying to you in Destiny Church right here in this moment on the fourth day of October 2020 that He's saying to us, welcome to the year of miracles. I declare over you today that I believe between now and a year from now that as we move from 2020 into 2021 that it is going to be a year of healing. I'm confident of it. I am fully persuaded of it. See, God has called the people of Destiny Church to be a people who are fully persuaded. That's what Paul said. I am fully persuaded that nothing shall separate me from the love of God. No, nor height, nor depth, nor angel, nor demon, nor sickness, nor famine. Nothing shall be able to separate me from the love of God. I say it quite often. That if you want to know what God's about to do, look at what the enemy's trying to do. The enemy's thrown a global pandemic at us, which tells me this. That over these next few weeks and months, we're about to watch an outpouring, a revival of healing and miracles like the earth has never seen. Over the last seven months, we've watched the enemy throw fear and grip nations with fear and put us in lockdowns and all of those things. And I'm here to tell you that God's about to release an outpouring of perfect love like the earth has never seen. I believe faith over fear, but it, the Bible does not say perfect faith casts out all fear. It says perfect love casts out all fear. And I believe there's a movement of perfect love that's about to sweep through the earth. In the midst of all of the political stuff, I believe that the Lord is about to raise up righteousness in the land because righteousness exalts a nation. And I believe we're about to watch the Lord tip the scales we're going to see mercy and justice. We're going to see truth and righteousness begin to operate in the earth like never before. How do I know? Because righteousness and justice are in the very foundation of the throne of God. How many know we're going to watch the enemy be dethroned? And we're going to watch the throne of God begin to descend in regions and areas like never before. I believe we're about to watch one of the great movements of racial reconciliation. You watch. I'm telling you right now. We're about to watch a revival of the uh, move through the races. We're not just a, a white church or a black church or Hispanic church or an Asian church. But we are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to look like the communities we live in and the people of God are going to come. And I believe there's about to be this great melting pot movement of the power of God. I'm convinced of it. I'm convinced of it. And in this season, there's so much watching. Everybody's watching the times. We're trying to figure out where we are, Revelation, Daniel, all of those stuff. But this is a season not to, to just get caught up in the signs. This is the season to be a sign.
to, to be a wonder. Jesus said that these signs will follow they that believe. And I'm telling you right now, the signs of the believer are about to mark this chapter in history. Politicians don't get to decide this next chapter of history. Activists don't get to decide this next chapter of history. Economists, sociologists, psychologists don't get to decide this next chapter of history. Scientists do not get to decide this next chapter of history. But history is being put in the hands of the church. I'm telling you right now, 2 Peter 3 says that we should hasten the day of the Lord's coming. If we can hasten it, if we can speed it up, we can also slow it down. And the church must get its foot off the brake. Are you hearing me? And this is a season where God is about to release accelerated grace, accelerated power, accelerated miracles, accelerated revelation like we've never seen or known before. I'm convinced of it. Encounters, uh, prophetic encounters, power encounters. Thirdly, I believe you're about to step into supernatural provision encounters. Supernatural provision encounters. 